everyone and welcome to Tea with Coco. I am Coco like Chanel. This week I want to talk about two absolutely infamous beverages that have been around the world longer than almost any other beverage, maybe other than water, in recorded history, and they still endure today. I am of course talking about tea and coffee. Coffee has a ritual in Europe all of its own, as does tea, maybe even more so. Everything from how they prepare it to how they drink it, the types of cups to what they garnish it with, the entire thing is very ritualistic and ritualized. There's not a lot of drinking in the car or not really even thinking about it, just grabbing something as you go. They take it seriously. I think, like myself, most of what they drink consists probably of one of five things. Water, coffee, tea, wine, and hard liquor. So this is making up a a large portion of, of what they have as their beverage. So I, I wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about some of the differences between the American coffee habits and the European coffee habits. I'll walk you guys through a couple of different ways you can make coffee at home, how the Europeans prefer to make coffee, and some of the rituals around how they prepare it and enjoy it, most importantly. So we'll start off like I try to start off my day, which is with coffee. Now, in the U.S., I know Starbucks is really king, and although it is starting to infiltrate across Europe, I remember when the first Starbucks opened in the city I was living in, in Germany, Stuttgart, when I was 16 or 17 years old, and it was downtown in the middle of the Platz, Schussplatz, and we went to try and experience it. And there weren't really very many Europeans there. And I don't think that that has changed too much. Although, like I said, it is starting to wind its way in. Starbucks does do a good job, like a lot of uh, big chain restaurants, of trying to localize with some things, which I think they did there. I know the Italians had an absolute coronary when they said they couldn't smoke at the tables outside of Starbucks. <laughs> which is so Italian, um, ready to rebel against uh, that type of establishment. And uh, they did do it, you know, a good job of trying to do that. And I think that's part of why they have found some success. But that's really that a whole idea of getting in and getting out or having it be, you know, cheesy or music playing is not really the traditional European coffee house. Traditionally, it is something that is sat and enjoyed. It's something that you sit down for. Actually, in Spanish, how you say that you're going to drink a coffee is toma. Uh, You're going to take a coffee. Um, And it's very interesting to turn a phrase for that because when you think about taking a coffee, enjoying the coffee, luxuriating in the coffee or whatever beverage, take a glass of wine, for example, But it is a different mentality on how you are experiencing it. In France, you will almost never see anyone hustling down the street with a cup of coffee to go in their hand. Uh, Again, that's becoming more of a habit, but when I was growing up there 10 years ago, that was definitely not the habit. And it was something you saw very rarely. In Germany as well, they had the coffee at home 
or sat in a cafe and had it. It was a ritual. It was part of it. This is still a culture that sits down at the table and has meals and enjoys things. A lot of times now I'll find myself, you know, gulping coffee while I'm at my desk, but I still have that morning ritual of getting up. I make French press coffee, which I'll talk about more in a minute for my husband and myself. And then I sit and read a book or the news and in a chair with no television on and enjoy my coffee before I go and sit down at my desk. And yeah, I probably have another cup while I'm at the desk, but that first one is the part of the ritual that I really do enjoy and love. So I thought this was very well-timed to talk about coffee and specifically coffee preparation because the biggest American chain, Starbucks, just increase their prices for all of their coffee. And if you are a Starbucks drinker, I think you are about to be in for an amazing awakening because I will give you a little bit of secret about Starbucks coffee beans. Coffee beans are green and how they become that dark rich brown is by roasting them. And when you roast coffee beans, you can under roast them, which means that they will have a, a very harsh flavor. Or you can over roast them so they taste burnt. So you have that under roasted acidic taste, or you can have that over roasted burnt taste. In my opinion, the large coffee houses always taste one of these two. They're either burnt or acidic. It's not enjoyable. It's not smooth, rich, creamy coffee. It's not a huge surprise to me that they would have to then add large amounts of artificial sweeteners and sugars to bring that coffee flavor to a more palatable taste because they're messing up at the very beginning with the bean preparation. The reason that they do this over roasting of the beans is because bean freshness is extended if you over roast the bean. So spend some time um, looking, find a local roaster. They're actually popping up all over the place. I feel like I am seeing a new coffee house and go in there and talk to them, engage in a conversation and talk to them about what your taste preferences are. Go coffee tasting. It's a thing. It's going to be a thing. Flight of coffee. You heard it here first. Even if you are just going down to your grocery store, Trader Joe's actually has a pretty broad selection of coffee and they always are willing to let you taste anything. So don't be shy. One of my favorite brands names, their coffee was decent, um, that I picked up at Trader Joe's just because of the name was life's too short to drink bad coffee. Very clever marketing technique and exceedingly true. So the first thing I'm going to go through after bean preparation is coffee preparation. How do you prepare your coffee? And I'll talk about some of the methods that the Europeans use and that, of course, they use here in the U.S. And there's absolutely cultural crossover, but this is kind of the general standard. In Europe, most of the coffee preparation is French press. I don't think this comes as a huge shock to anyone. And the actually, this is spread further. I know in South Africa, where my sister lives, they don't call it French press. They call it a uh, plunger, which is a 
not a, a great visual for it, but it is technically accurate with how French presses work. You can get French presses very inexpensively. Bowdoin makes one of the best French presses. I own a Bowdoin as well as a Le Crusette, which I think is fantastic. The Le Crusette keeps the coffee a little warmer because it's that stone. So it elongates the time that the coffee is hot, but the Bowdoin makes absolutely fantastic coffee every single time. And you can pick them up online at Amazon, Bed Bath & Beyond, at Home Goods, TJ Maxx, they're $24, depending on the size, but right around $24, you're going to thank me. Now make sure then when you're grinding your beans, you grind for a French press, which is going to be a lot coarser. So it kind of goes from French press, which is very, very coarse, into the middle, which is going to be where your drip coffee is, and then all the way over to the right, uh, if you're looking at a professional grinding machine, is going to be the finest grind, which is for espresso. So again, engage in a great conversation with the local roaster, and they are going to be able to talk you through all of these things as well. So to make French press coffee, it's so easy. So, so easy. So you get a tablespoon and the basic rule of thumb is one tablespoon for every two cups of coffee. So I, for mine, you know, fill it up all the way, um, which makes six cups of coffee. So I put in three tablespoons and you boil the water between 190 and 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Then you mix it in with a wooden chopstick and you wait five to six minutes for the coffee to brew. That's it plunger the plunger down, as they say in South Africa, pour and enjoy. The amazing richness of the French press is really unbeat in my opinion, which is why it's my preferred coffee method preparation, because you just get this insanely smooth, full, but creamy almost, even without adding any sort of milk to the coffee. It's absolutely fantastic coffee every single morning. Give it a try. It, again, you can pick up a French press for 20, 30 bucks. You can use your freshly ground coffee or pre-grind it. They usually have grinders at Trader Joe's. If you guys want to give that a try, it will be a new experience for you if you are a Starbucks coffee drinker. So please let me know what you guys think. Um, that's my favorite method. I'd love to hear yours. I'll go through a couple of different other ones. One of the things that is actually pretty popular in Europe is something called an AeroPress, and it is very similar to a French press, but it uses air pressure to push the water down through a flat disc that is the filter. So you put coffee grinds in and you push it down uh, through this press. And they're inexpensive as well. That's more of a single cup. You pour and go. I, some of my friends travel with this that travel quite a lot for work, and that's definitely their preferred method of coffee making on the go. I travel with my French press. <laughs> I know, I know, but judge, let's not they be judged, okay? And I also use my French press sometimes to make loose leaf tea when I'm traveling if I don't have my tea maker, which I will talk about a little bit later. But AeroPress, look into it if you travel a lot. It might be a great option for you not have to have the hotel coffee. So far and away, I think the most popular method of coffee preparation in the U.S. is drip coffee. I have a drip coffee maker. I don't use it. It's put away in a cupboard just in case I you know, need to take it out for an event or 
some kind where I'm going to have a large amount of people. But I really don't use it that often. I think the richness that I get from the French press is just unbeatable. And it's just Charles and I in the morning. So if it's just for two people, the French press is perfect. It makes you know him a cup of coffee and me two cups of coffee. Technically, it's six cups, so he gets two cups and I get four. But let's face it, I'm not drinking a actual cup of coffee. I'm drinking a mug of coffee, which is about two cups. So for me, the drip coffee, I understand people like to preset it and let it go. I just don't think it's as rich as the French press. Absolutely fine way to make coffee. There's a lot of health benefits to preparation uh, that way, but just me flavor is queen and the queen crown goes to French press in my opinion. So if you're going to make traditional coffee, drip coffee or French press, but if you've never tried a French press at home, give it a shot. You won't be sorry. So moving away from traditional coffee, we'll get into probably the drink of choice for a lot of Europe, which is espresso or cappuccino. Before I go onto my soapbox, I want to give a little bit of a fun fact about the word cappuccino, something I found out recently that I did not know. The word cappuccino is named after the Capuchin monks because the top of the cappuccino with the milk and that swirl that they do where the crema from the espresso has risen a little bit and you have that white and tan kind of mixture that they sometimes make a heart with. Well, they thought that looked like the shaved heads of the monks that had the little bit of hair on the top of their head. And it is so named for them. So a little bit of trivia, you can pull out of your back pocket and use uh, fun times at parties pulling that one out. So espresso and cappuccino. My soapbox. In the United States, And at the big chains, I cannot tell you how many times I've had complete deer eyes as the barista has asked me if I wanted a 12 ounce or a 16 ounce cappuccino when I order a cappuccino. Let me describe to you what a cappuccino is. The actual denotation. This is the definition of a cappuccino. Equal parts, espresso, milk, and foam. Okay, so espresso is one ounce. One shot of espresso is a shot. It is one ounce. So if I order a double espresso, it is two shots of espresso. It should then be two shots of milk and two shots of foam. But it should never be more than six ounces. In order for a 16-ounce cappuccino to exist, I would have to be getting four-plus shots of espresso And don't get me wrong, that sounds awesome, but no, they're putting two shots of espresso in with like eight ounces of milk and what else? I mean, it's so much. I'm basically drinking a cup of milk. I just don't understand it. If they want that, order a latte, you know, but that's not what I want. I want a cappuccino and they charge ridiculous amounts of money for it. Maybe because I'm using so much milk. Uh, I don't know. I don't get it. All of my friends have seen me try to remain Dalai Lama-ish while explaining to the barista that no, no, that's not what I, I usually end up just ordering 
a macchiato, which is one shot of espresso and a little bit of foam. So if you, like me, have that issue, macchiato is much safer. And then sometimes if it is too strong for me, which usually it's not, but if it is, I can go to the milk bar that they usually have and just pour a little bit of milk in there myself. It's, it's definitely not worth the hassle of trying to explain it. And I feel bad, you know, the baristas are just doing what they're trained to do. So it's difficult to be angry with them. But at the same time, it's kind of like, ordering something extraordinarily standard and having them bring you something completely different and you just don't understand. So if you're on that soapbox with me, order the macchiato or you can make it at home, which I'll get to in just a second. So I wanted to take one moment to talk about the espresso and cappuccino because it is an art form in Europe and A lot of things go into that. I think one of them is the use of whole milk, although that's really the only type of milk that is existing in Europe. They don't really do skim. I think they would probably look at you like I look at the baristas who don't know what a cappuccino is. (laughs) But it's something, again, that's supposed to be sipped and enjoyed. And I think there's a lot of, of cultural significance around a drink that makes you stop while at the same time, perhaps exhilarating you. So a lot of times it's served with a little piece of chocolate, which I love. Again, it goes back to that idea that it's going to force you to have a moment and force you to not be rushing through your day and stop and enjoy something like a fantastic cappuccino with a wee piece of chocolat. Now, how do you make an espresso or cappuccino or macchiato at home? Now, there are lots of options. I have an espresso machine. The coffee is good. It's super fast. It can make your espresso dreams a reality. It's really, I like Nespresso not just because they pick really super sexy spokespeople, a la George Clooney, but they are extraordinarily dedicated to quality and freshness. This is why you will not find those pods on Amazon, at least officially, or at other large box retailers. They want quality control, which I think is a very German thought for the Italians that created it. But it's a great deal. It's 40, 80 cents a pod, and it's a really affordable way to get very good espresso. I also have a Breville Barista, which takes the beans and grinds them to perfection, and then you have to tap it down and make the espresso fresh. It takes it to another level. It takes more time and more dedication, and I am not always game for that, but sometimes I am because it's just worth it. And it has a fantastic milk frother, which is what I use to make my milk for my cappuccino. If you are able to invest in one of them, they are expensive, but absolutely fantastic. If not, like I said, Nespresso, super affordable way. I wouldn't buy a low quality espresso maker. I mean, do your research, but Breville is an amazing brand and I love their products and you have to pay for them because of that. But I have my German mentality on of I want das Bestes. So if you're not able to afford one, don't buy a a cheap one. Look at Nespresso as an option. 
and they have some great programs with the pods and they do have boutiques, uh, Neiman Marcus and little shops around that are popping up more and more frequently where you can get the pods pretty, pretty easily, pretty accessible. So check that out and take that habit at home. It'll be better. I promise. So finishing touches of coffee. After the perfect coffee is poured, the Europeans, now depending on which country it is, uh, it's a little bit different. In Germany, they all have an accoutrement that they put on the top of it, a little dusting, a powder of some sort. So at home in Germany, it is a bit of unsweetened cocoa powder. And in France, they have this combination of spices. I think it's clove and cinnamon and cardamom, ginger, sometimes a little bit of a hint of peppercorn. And they sprinkle it over just the top foamy bit of the coffee. It absolutely takes it to the next level. No sugar needed. I mean, none. It's elevating. It's finesse. It is a very Gordon Ramsay tactic to take to coffee. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So give it a try. Get some cocoa powder. Get a light dusting of cardamom on the top or cinnamon. And feel fancy. Why not? So the final finishing touch I want to talk about, we touched on just earlier, but it was the way in which they enjoy their coffee. And that is in a proper glass sitting down usually with other elements like televisions turned off. Take a moment and really think about what you're drinking. It's such an amazing aroma. It's something that is ritualized. There's so much history and culture behind it. And yes, it's a simple beverage, but for me, it has a lot of meaning behind it as well. I remember as a child waking up and that was the first thing I smelled, right? Because my parents were making coffee in the morning. And it's something that's completely in my heart and in my mind and on my tongue. So think about it. Enjoy your coffee. Take a moment to do it. The next thing I want to talk about, shifting subjects slightly, is tea. Now, I think coffee gets the more attention in Europe, but tea, uh, unless you're in London or England, UK, uh, Ireland, doesn't get as much attention, although it is exceedingly loved and adored. There isn't proper tea time like there is in the UK, but there is an unofficial one. And I myself, like around noon, one o'clock, make the switch from coffee to tea. And they do like everything. They have very ritualized, very high quality. They have amazing different combinations. One of my favorites growing up in Germany was strawberry rhubarb. And again, it's all this incredible, fresh, organic. I, I had my mom send me some of those teas for years after I left Germany. She would mail them to me. I'm just remembering now blueberry vanilla. Oh my goodness. It's just, it, it takes it to another level. It's not, you know, Lipton tea or something that you could buy in a box that hasn't been fresh in quite a while. But they they take it very, very seriously. And going back to that brand I was talking about earlier with my espresso machine, I for years wanted the Breville Perfect Tea Maker because it is perfect. 
in every way. And it was expensive as well, which is why I yearned after it for years. But my husband finally broke down and got it for me for Christmas last year. Could not be happier. Every type of tea is different. Green, herbal, black, oolong, specialty. And because they're all different, they all have different brewing temperatures and different amounts of time that you need to steep. So what Breville did, these fantastic, wonderful people, they are not sponsoring this in any way. I just, I'm a true fan. What they did was create this tea maker that lets you choose what type of tea, green, black, herbal, oolong, special tea. And then it has a little basket that you put the loose leaf tea in. It preheats the water to the perfect temperature for that type of tea, then drops the basket in, lets it steep for the perfect amount of time, and then raises the basket so you don't oversteep your tea. It will even keep your tea warm for you so that you can enjoy an entire pot. It is perfect in every way. If you are going to invest and if you are a tea drinker, you just have to get it. You have to. You are never going to be sorry that you invested the money in this. Not only does it save you time and energy, but it is the perfect cup of tea. I am shocked. I will be shocked. I bet it was designed by a German because it seems the precision and the attention to detail is so German. But if you guys haven't had a chance to go online, look at that one. If you are a tea drinker, it's a must. Save your pennies. It's worth it. Absolutely worth it. The ritual of tea in Europe is very long reaching and even in France, where you would think coffee is, is queen, and, and she is, coffee and wine, but tea is very important, and they do have proper tea times and places you can go to get tea. And there's even a house, uh, the old Chanel house, where you can go and have tea with cocoa, the actual tea. <laughs> I've never gotten to go when I've gone there, because I believe it's pretty hard to get into, at least when I tried, it was impossible, although... Last time I was in Paris was for fashion week, so everything was impossible to get into. But it's an experience, I'm sure. If you have any opportunity to go to a property anywhere in Europe, you won't be sorry. The, the whole ritual around the tea was twofold in Europe. One was for sickness, which is still used today, obviously, but homeopathically. But also the ritual of sitting down and taking time breaking up your day with tea. They did it in the morning with coffee. They did it with tea in the afternoon. And then most of them went back to coffee after dinner and had an espresso after dinner. I myself could have an espresso after dinner and go right to bed afterwards. I, the, the caffeine issue for me is never something. Maybe that's because I've been training myself to intake that much caffeine since I was about 12. But it's very ritualized there. And it is so that you're extending your time in your experience, talking, sitting, taking a break, taking a moment. A lot of the European styles are just set up for you to take time. So it's an amazing ritual. It's something I absolutely enjoy every single day of my life. If you guys have never tried fresh tea, it's something that you can make at home in 15 minutes. I have some recipes up on the blog. If you have not ever tried it and want to look at a recipe, I have fresh ginger and fresh mint tea, which actually uses fresh ginger root and fresh mint leaves to make the tea. It's an experience. It's 
absolutely warming from your head down to your toes. Check it out. You can also look at the coffee blog post all about the coffee talks we had earlier in the podcast, and it will go through some of my recommendations as well as all the different variations on coffee preparation that I talked through in the podcast today. For our land yap today, I wanted to give you guys a little recipe on how to make a spice topping for your coffee. This is adapted from one I actually picked up at a wonderful spice shop in France. And I asked him how to make it because I wouldn't be able to go back for quite some time, even though I bought a few bottles of the spice of the mixture, but you can absolutely make it at home. And here is the short recipe for what you can mix together to make a wonderful aromatic spice to sprinkle over your coffee. So you'll need a fourth teaspoon of freshly ground cinnamon, a fourth teaspoon of freshly ground black peppercorns, a fourth teaspoon of freshly ground ginger, a fourth teaspoon of grated nutmeg, an eighth teaspoon of freshly ground cardamom seeds, and an eighth teaspoon of freshly ground clove. That's it. Mix them all together. Sprinkle away. I happen to quite like cardamom and clove, so I adjust those ratios slightly, but customize it for yourself and let me know if you have a different idea. Some people would like to put the cocoa powder in there as well. I think that would be wonderful. Maybe take out the nutmeg, but tinker. See what makes the perfect cup of coffee for you and let us know. Thank you all so much for joining Tea with Coco, Coco like Chanel, the European American. Until next time, everybody, laissez le bon temps rouler and have a great day.